0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to Developing Las Fuertes. My name is Chanel. I'm so happy that you're here back to listen to us. So what's up, Chanel? It's so nice to see you again. (laughs) Thank you
1: for another recording session of what Las Fuertes is becoming or turning into. It's always exciting to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. We we record this really early in the morning so we're like uh <laughs> like taking, like, our crust out of our (laughs) eyes and stuff. So, yes, I thought we talked about a few things. I was thinking, like, laying the foundation down, right? Whatever that means. For sure, we need to touch on education. I was doing some research through UNICEF, and it's not looking very good. (laughs) I wrote down, like, sad and overwhelming information. And honestly, like, I was really thinking, like, I don't want to make it sound like the worst of the worst, you know? Like, I don't want to make it sound like you are working in a really dire situation and the world is doomed and this and that and but i think like it's interesting too like in the u.s there's really bad schools the same way that like when i was working in spain some of these teachers i was like you guys should not be teaching like you guys are you need more training In the same way that like in Panama, there was amazing professors. And then there was also Mm -hmm. professors that I was like, "Um, excuse me. (laughs) So, yeah, I really don't want it to sound like, oh, La La Isla is like horrible because it's not really like that. I think education in of itself is kind of hard. Like, I think it's hard to get. 20-30 kids on board on the same topic in the classroom and you know like teach them and there's all these levels and and then there's like all these factors outside of the classroom but some information I got from UNICEF they are acknowledging that COVID-19 has disrupted the education system which yeah you already knew when first COVID happened and we got into, well, we didn't get into because we're not teachers, but I started seeing WhatsApp classrooms and I was like, this is about to be very, very horrible for everybody exactly. involved. <laughs> I'm sure that's still happening. I'm not sure how, at what level it's happening in my town in Panama I don't know how much you see that happening in, in La Isla. So we can start with that. Like WhatsApp Classrooms <laughs> is what I coined. That's not what you call it. I just put that name. But basically WhatsApp Classroom to me is like those teachers and the students can't go to school. So WhatsApp, the texting application is used to mm. have class basically. And the teachers will send files through that. The teachers will have like the kids or the mom's number and they'll send like school files or worksheets or things through that and then the teachers will check in through that so it's not like a great system at all Um and I don't know if you've seen that already for you or if that's happening or what What you think about all of yeah. that
1: yeah like you were saying that not everything that is happening in the island is completely doomed and you know what are these people even doing there because unfortunately a lot of people have that sense and maybe before I haven't given a better setting of what it is to be in the island. When I mentioned education the last time, is because it was so obvious to me that unfortunately the education system is, is built to fail the kids, unfortunately. And I'm not blaming the teachers directly. And I'm not blaming the principal directly. However, she's responsible to some degree, right? Because she can only work with so much that is given by the state or the national government. But at the same time, she should be able to allocate those resources the best way possible. So there is a lot of layers that come to this. And I'm not an expert, you know, I'm not an education person. I don't have a PhD or anything. This is just mm-hmm. me drawing conclusions from like a very outside point of view because I'm not even going to the school. Mm-hmm. However, from what I've seen so far, from the feedback that I've been getting from other parents, from some of the students itself, you know, that are some of them... Are basically all my participants. And just by watching what is happening, I can see that the system, unfortunately, the system here in Colombia is very broken. And this is not like something new, hmm. but unfortunately, it got very aggravated by the pandemic. Oh yeah. So the pandemic just put very much up front what has been happening for decades. The, the saddest thing is the people that get hurt the most are the ones that need it the most. Mm-hmm. People that are living in rural communities that are like far away from access to good education always go back to being like left behind just because the system is built that way. But I'm sure there is really good teachers that go to this school in the island. I just haven't met them because for the last year and a half, they were, they were virtual WhatsApp classes like you call them. So, these WhatsApp classes, let's start with one thing. Maybe in the States, uh, WhatsApp is not as mm-hmm. widely used yeah. as it is in Latin America and even in Africa. Yeah, I think
0: literally the entire world. Because in Spain it was used, I think it's just us in the US.
1: Yeah, it's just the US always going against <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yes. But WhatsApp is like every single person that you know of uses WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Except for like my grandma, my auntie mm-hmm. who is like 86, she's the only one that maybe doesn't use WhatsApp. I don't know, but like every single person that has enough money to buy a moderately decent smartphone will have WhatsApp, mm-hmm. and it's just because it's so easy. And sometimes it's easier, it's even easier to use WhatsApp than regular phone. Yeah, you know. So WhatsApp is everywhere. So I think what happened was, and this is just an assumption. When this whole thing came to us, like COVID, not going to school, what are we going to do? Everybody knew that WhatsApp was available pretty much to everybody. So
0: yeah,
1: I don't know how the ministry came to this conclusion or if it was like each school decided to do this. But from what I've seen in the island is every week the kids will get this package
0: mm-hmm. or
1: like these PDF files from every single teacher. And they will give them these assignments, and they will give them a deadline of when they are supposed to give this back to the teacher. And I'm just going to do a little parenthesis here. Like, we are recording this on August 28th, and as of one week, the kids went back to school mm. to, like, actually in-classroom um, okay. classes. Okay. So I don't know. I'm about to go and figure out how that's going to mm change everything for Las Fuertes, but mm. going back to the conversation about uh, WhatsApp classrooms. So the, the first times when I went to the island, you know, and uh, I asked questions about classroom or like, how is school going? I will just see these ridiculous amounts of page after page of nonsense <laughs> homeworks, because the little place that I'm allowed to use for Las Fuertes, a lot of times mm. I will just sit there and do different things either preparing for a workshop or like communicating or emailing, oh why not and a lot of kids will go by and they will ask me I senor like they will think that I'm a teacher mm. or like a tutor that I can help them with with homework and they will be like oh senor can you help me with this question and why not I was like well I'm not really a teacher I am not really a tutor but I can look at it and see if I can help in some
0: way mm.
1: <laughs> and I saw the most ridiculous questions It was either way too advanced Mm -hmm. for the grade that they were working with or it was way below. It was nothing that it was level Mm -hmm. to the grade that they were supposed to. And some of the questions, like the way they were written, it was really hard to understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a college educated person and sometimes I'll be like, what is this teacher asking for? Like, I couldn't really figure it out. And then the way that was designed was so wasteful like they would make these huge pictures and like you would take half of the page and then you would have to print pages just because the formatting was so badly wrong
0: like all the white space around
1: maybe yeah Yeah. it's like people don't understand how hard it is for these parents to actually come up with the money to make this printing, and especially in the island it it gets really really expensive yeah and not only that like the waste of paper just contamination and Add so many things. And at the end of the day, obviously, the students are the ones who are paying the price. Because first, a lot of them didn't even understand the question. So in many cases, I will see the parents not even helping, actually doing the homework.
0: That was a phenomenon, I will say, that was so big too in Panama. Parents doing the homework. And I don't know how that started. What's the logic? What is it? I don't know. I can't recall... I think parents sometimes do homework for kids in any setting, you know, like projects and things. Uh huh. But it was, but there is also some involvement between or some collaboration. Yeah, I collaboration. Say. And
1: I'm not gonna say obviously there is times where parents just decide to take over the the, the project and be like, I'll do it yeah. for you so you can get a good grade. Yeah. But this is a whole new level. We're talking about very basic knowledge that should be able to be completed by a yeah. student. But because the way that is written, or because there is really not a good background behind it, is really hard for the student to understand. And I don't know how it goes to high school students because I'm talking about mm-hmm. the participants that came to me and other kids younger. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about homework for from like first grade to maybe fifth grade or even sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how it works for seven, eight, nine, whatever. A lot of it required to do some kind of research on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, like they will come up with a concept and then they will have to do some kind of research. And kids are not prepared to do research. Yeah, They barely know what internet you can use besides Facebook and WhatsApp. So there is a lot of flaws, you know, and it's understandable because this whole pandemic came in and did so much that nobody was ready for it. I don't know, it's it's really hard. It's really easy for me to come and see it okay. and, and kind of judge. Yeah. Because, you know?
0: Yeah. But
1: I'm so I'm so fed up by my government that mm-hmm. that's just the way I see it, unfortunately. I don't have another set of eyes. I just see it in a very negative way because that's what I've seen personally since I came home. I mean our government has always been awful. But we are at a level of like, it's just ridiculous, mm-hmm. every single thing that happens here. So, this translates very much into the classroom mm-hmm. to my eyes. You mm-hmm. know, like I cannot really see anything positive just because I can't. I, I, I'm like, I might be very biased, I might be completely blind due to my political standpoints. Mm-hmm. But this is also coming from some of the parents, like many parents were very concerned about their student, like their kids' future somehow, because they they were very aware that it wasn't working. Like this system of sending PDF files over WhatsApp is just not the way to go.
0: Yeah, I read something that with COVID-19, things got disrupted, but it was that there was also like a need to just reimagine education completely. And that, I'm sure. I mean, I saw this already when when we were getting evacuated and so school for us in Panama started in March and two weeks after I was evacuated. So I wasn't there to see kind of what happened to all these students during this time, even just seeing it here in the U.S., how it interrupted a whole school year. And I feel like everybody kind of got set back a year. Right. And I think It did. I think globally, and I think there's a lot of. I read in from UNICEF that there's a lot of students that are still not back in school, and it's just gonna be like an added layer. A lot of students that haven't started first grade, which is like imperative for their like basic like learning of like math, language arts, or English or whatever language, um, like all these basic you know like foundations. And then also with school, teachers can sometimes detect like. If there's any learning disabilities, any mental health issues, any urgent needs that students have, maybe like from home, something's happening at home. Yeah, the disruption of COVID 19 on education is massive. It's really massive. And I know a child that I tutored in Panama, he was able to, he has like a a computer and has Wi Fi. So he's able to do all his classes through Zoom. And he also goes to a private school, which is Very, (laughs) very different experience. His English—he's nine now, and his English is like amazing. But because it's a private school, there's better funds. There's—I don't know if more prepared teachers. I don't. I think there was great teachers in the public school where I was working at. But there's just like a better, I guess, more funding. Really, more resources. Yeah, yeah. it's just resources. Yeah. Yeah. So he like it was interesting to see him. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of things that like you still don't have because you're all online and everything. But he was still, like, doing his classes on Zoom and, like, through, like, portals and stuff. And then there were students that everything was, like, PDF files through WhatsApp. So, yeah, there was something that I wanted to touch on. Teachers, a lot of teachers don't live where they teach. They travel. Mm -hmm. Um, This happened in Panama, too, where... Specifically in like very isolated areas, the teachers would get placed. The teachers don't select to be there most of the time. They Mm -hmm. get placed by the government to be in these isolated, more rural areas. They either leave every weekend. They like stay together with other teachers in like a house, they room and then they teach and they leave every weekend. so with COVID and no need to be there in physical, presencial, they were there. For a whole year, I guess. So, like, mm-hmm. if you have a question, it's not like you can be like, hey, teacher, can I go over to your porch? You know, like, I'll wear my mask and stay six feet away. Like, I just need you to explain this to me. They're just not there. Yeah. There's no teachers. <laughs> so, you're basically, you can say, are you teaching yourself, right? Like, are you, like, having to learn all these things, oh, right?
1: I would say 100%. It's the same in the island. I mean, I don't know what the, what is the percentage of mm-hmm. teachers that are, from outside the island, and this is a whole backstory of like I know people that have that are from the island that have gone to college and are a, are capable of becoming teachers, but I don't know if it's corruption, I don't know what it is, but most of them unfortunately don't get placed in the local school. So that's a whole different world game. Like they
0: don't get placed but in their own town. Exactly. That's so. And I, that's yeah.
1: I don't. In, <laughs> yeah, it's very complicated, but. Um, like you were saying like basically these kids are teaching themselves and I don't know if that has been somebody has been able to do some kind of study of like how much this has influenced in domestic violence
0: oh, mm-hmm. and
1: I say like I know the domestic violence has increased absurdly during you know like it's is so bad how domestic violence especially towards women had increased during the pandemic but I don't know if there is a way that it can be a that a study can be done of how much the moms have increased their violence towards the kids because mm. they have become the teachers mm. and they don't have the skills to do it. And I'm saying this because I come to these conversations and like I'm sitting somebody like in the island, you know, like I'm sitting with my friends and then this mom will come and like she has to vent with somebody mm. and I just I just get to listen to the Oh they just story. come and
0: tell you. Mm
1: and like yeah. you maybe know me personally or like i'm there with some of my friends and they just come and like start venting on oh, okay. each other so i get to like listen to all these stories yeah but so many moms have said like you know like they just don't know how to teach their kids and especially the little ones because how are you going to teach your little one about numbers about colors about letters It's one thing being a home yeah. and a whole different thing to be a teacher so yeah, moms have like this natural instinct of like protection and educate their kids in different ways. Mm-hmm. They are not prepared unless they went to some kind of schooling mm-hmm. and have some kind of formation about being a teacher. But if we're talking about rural moms that barely they know how to read or write themselves, and they are expected to teach their kids all these things, and kids don't have, you know, the ability of focusing or like sitting down mm. and i'm saying this mm. because so many moms will come and be like oh my god i just lost my passion with my kid like i sit him down or i sit her down and i tell her that she needs to learn this and we're talking about kids that are like four five six seven eight and moms just lose it yeah they are not you know they are not skilled in those set yeah they don't have those skills to teach that, that kind of content because again whatsapp classroom is just like the teacher and, And we cannot really blame the teachers because this is coming up from up higher to be like, this is what you have to do every week. And this is the content that you have to send out. So one of my friends, she would get so frustrated because her kid is very hyper. Like he is something else. Oh my God, he just wants to play all the time. Obviously, he's five years old. Mm -hmm. So she would get super frustrated when uh, he didn't want to listen to her. Like, oh, these are the colors and this is the activity that you have to do and blah, blah, blah. And it came to the point she was like, I cannot do it. Like, Mm. she was on the verge of hitting him every single time they had to do an assignment. So I'm guessing this is happening everywhere, a lot of families. And I'm sure that violence towards their kids, not because they wanted to, it's just because
0: it's like frustrating. It's so
1: frustrating for their moms. And I mean, yeah, this pandemic actually did so much damage. Mm. I mean, it worked wonderfully for the pharmaceutical companies. I think they are yes. the only ones who are winning in this game. But if you look at how much we had got back, yeah. not only like in education, in women's rights and, you know, in so many things that were advancing to some degree. And now it's like we're heading back, setting back maybe 10 years or so. And so many, so
0: many things. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, it's sad and overwhelming because and I laugh, but it's not like it's funny. It's just because like it's a lot, I guess. It's like I was saying I was researching and I kind of I try not to do too much deep research. I rather just do kind of like basic concepts, because then if I, I can go, you know, you can go very deep into like the needs that there are um, and the effects of COVID. Um So something else, too, that I think this is kind of how Las Fuertes ties in. I don't know if you've seen, like, any extracurricular activities. Let's just say it. I know that that's, like, not the word, (laughs) maybe. But, like, I remember in Panama, in my community, there was pretty... I mean, it was a high school, so that helps. But there was a lot of, like, activities to do. The students were involved in, like different organizations it's hard to explain it's not like completely the same like it would be in the u.s but they were like in little in soccer leagues sometimes or they would just kind of hang out and play either like baseball or soccer or there was also students that were like maybe preparing for like robotics competition we had like a little robotics team at our school So they would do that or they would stay after school to like continue doing projects. So my students were very like involved and I miss them. But even still, even with a big high school where I was at in that I did still see a lot of children idling. My community also had a library, a public library and an info plaza. So like computers, like I think they had like eight computers, but I did still see young kids like 10 year olds or something still like idling around like standing not standing mm-hmm. around but just like on the street playing which i guess yeah that's what kids do there was some kids there's like a few kids that would go and work and play watch okay so at the info plaza they would watch music videos <laughs> sometimes they would play video games there was a few times where me and the info plaza person el tecnico or whatever we like did some Workshops to teach them how to use like Word and how to research. I remember one time we did a little workshop where we taught them, like, we were, I think it was like flowers and animals and like how to copy and paste like a photo into the Word and how to like mm-hmm. make the report, like the format. So just a little bit of that, but never extensive. Now that you talk about research, it's not super extensive. And I think that honestly is kind of also around the world with like in the internet but that's another i think conversation so i want to go and touch on like extracurricular activities like things that students can do outside of the classroom and the lack of it and where and where for you las fuertes comes in maybe tied to that so
1: so from the school itself I don't know what kind of like uh, one of my friends from the island when she was younger, you know, when she was going to school in the island, she told me that at that time there were so many things, Hmm. so many extracurricular activities that they could sign like dancing and like different sports and like even scuba diving because they were sponsored by this private school that will go every year from Bogota, Hmm. like the German private school. So they were like they would select certain students from the local school and they will go and do like exchange activities with the German. I mean not German, but like from the German school. And then they will do school. But I mean like a lot of things, and that has mm. changed over time. I don't know the reason behind it, mm. but she just she tells me with like a lot of sadness mm. because she's like I remember it back in my day, you know, we were able to do um, this and that and that, and it's just not like that anymore, unfortunately. I don't know for how long they weren't allowed to, but the person that, my connection in the island, his name is Juan, and he's the soccer coach. Mm-hmm. So thanks to him, uh, I can go to the island and I start doing this work. And he's very active within the community. He coaches kids from the youngest, I think it's like maybe his son who's 5 mm-hmm. the way to like grown-ups but during the pandemic i don't know for how long he had to stop doing that because even though they were all from the island Mm. i guess somehow they were banned from like getting together but recently like maybe since i started going to the island back in october i think they slowly are taking these classes again and at some point i think it was back in november or it, it was probably February. He he was trying to come up with a team for women, like a female team.
0: Oh. So he
1: put up like little signs and like looking for a girls' ages. From like the youngest had to be 13. So the teams that wanted to be part of it they had to include a thirteen year old as the youngest oh, player. Okay. <laughs> and they tournaments. They've been doing tournaments. And so they don't play like full soccer, we call it micro football. Oh, okay. So is it's played in like at the basketball court because it's shorter, it's smaller. Mm-hmm. The goal is like las canchitas son pequeñitas. Mm-hmm. And the ball itself is heavier and is small. Okay. So the rules are pretty much the same, but the teams are smaller. And that has worked. I think he has like a good response with some between teenagers and women, like grown-up women. I think at some point somebody wanted to start Zumba classes, but they didn't go as expected. I think it's just because there is lack of motivation in the oh. island. So there mm-hmm. is people that have a lot of ideas. It's just lack of motivation. And because the island is becoming like tourist hotspot, mm. uh, some of the hotels that are in the island, very few, I should say, have some kind of social investment in the island. So they do mm. some kind of program for the kids. So I know of these hotel that do, they teach kids about uh, preserving the ocean. So ocean conservation. Mm. And they are teaching them about like, they take them in this little boat and they can do a snorkeling. Eventually I think they will learn how to do scuba diving, they do mangler conservation, so they go and do plant manglers around the island. There is this another project, He's also based, he it's not based on a hotel, but this, this guy from Medellin, he goes quite a bit to the island and so it's like a cultural project. I'm not going to get much into it because I have like mixed feelings about it from things that I've heard and I've seen, but I know he's there. He does like a uh, international movie festival. Oh, okay. And then Las this uh, comes in as a space for girls to be to be girls, mm. even if it's just for one, two, or three hours time that we spend. Because not going to school has not only disrupted the education portion of it, but also has overloaded these mm. girls with more housework Mm -hmm. and so they are constantly at the house like sweeping and mopping and doing the dishes and doing the laundry things that they did in the you know they always done but because they are not going to school and they are constantly at the house so the parents expect them to do even more house chores just because they are there Mm -hmm. so it's like well you're not studying you're basically doing nothing to their eyes it's like just do this and all kinds of like errands and the, all kinds of things that they should be done by adults mm. but there's a whole cultural you know it's really hard to get into that because i'm nobody to judge them how they raise their kids yeah so when, when i first mm-hmm. started las fortes like i mentioned before is like in a previous episode maybe i had the idea of just being an education a menstrual education program where i would just go to the island and then i will go to another community but because i've seen the reality of what it is to be a girl in the island, which is very similar to certain things that I saw in Madagascar, I wanted to provide them that space. I wanted to give them a space where they can just decompress and stop thinking about all the chores that they have to do at the house, or maybe the like a little escape time where they are not constantly being yelled at or being mm-hmm. told that, you know, oh, eres una buena para nada, or like eres una grosera. So it's heartwarming, but it's also a little bit depressing because, like, especially on Saturdays, because the weekends is obviously, if during the week they don't have much to do, the weekends are, like, even more so. So whenever I plan an activity for the weekend, I think it's going to be, like, maybe an hour and a half, and it's four hours, and the girls still don't want to go to the house, go back to their house, Mm. just because they are enjoying that time, you know? Yeah. They're learning something new or something unusual. They get to color something or they get to play things that they never played before. So that's I think that's the main goal behind As Fuertes. We just want to give them this space for them to to enjoy what is the transition between childhood and adolescence, Mm -hmm. but in a way that is informed and is healthy and is in a positive manner because we can go into all the awful things that happen, uh, you know, to young girls, not only in the island, but in in a lot of places. And also, like, again, like, we started with um, this menstrual dedication idea, but the more I get to know my participants, the more I see that they are full of potentials,
0: Hmm. but they
1: never get to reach them because they they have never given the tools or the space or nobody has given them the attention to be like, oh, my God, you're so good at this or that. Hmm. And obviously, they because nobody has pointed that out yeah. because they don't know they have those skills yeah. or they have those abilities
0: yeah sometimes people don't maybe like adults maybe they just don't know that this is like a skill that could be useful in some way or mm-hmm. that this is something that, like i i find myself a lot of the times talking to like my siblings or my mom about like you can turn this into like a skill or like you can do this this way and or you can sell it this way even just Mm -hmm. with people that i talk to people that i mentor as far as like resume writing you can turn certain things and and sell them and be like i'm good at this it doesn't sound like much to me because i'm it's normalized you know or it's normalized exactly but yeah sometimes people need kind of like that outsider to come in and say like oh this is i use i because I have this different perspective, I'm able to see it maybe differently, not better, not worse. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can, this is just kind of what I see that could be useful for you. I also was thinking how you had explained to me that you brought in like a group of women with Mm -hmm. different careers. What was that like for the girls? Because you, you said earlier, like sometimes people don't give them the attention or like they don't spend that time, you know, just spend that time. Like, they're always just getting in trouble. They're always just being told, like, you know, like being lectured. I remember in classrooms, that was one big thing that we would talk about, like how much the teachers just spend lecturing the students when, you know. And and of course, yeah, sometimes the students can be kind of like bad behaved or whatever. But then the school and the classroom becomes this place where you get lectured. No one wants to be lectured. (laughs) Like, you know, so what was it like to have like that exchange that experience of like people from outside and not just yeah. random people but women with like careers and this yeah
1: so back in july this year 2021 mm-hmm. yeah this big group of travelers um is led by this colombian woman her name is natalia she had planned this trip to last to like to isla fuerte and my sister just saw it on instagram and instantly like contact her and I was like, hey, like I'm working with this project. I don't know if it's possible, but I would like to see if we can do an activity where our participants can interact with the travelers because it was a group of 30 women. No, but like within the group, they were all uh, single travelers. So they weren't friends or anything. They just met during this trip. So to them, it was like a, a whole different experience as travelers as well, right? So they are going into this unknown place with these unknown people, and then they get to spend like the next four or five days together so the leader agreed and she's like oh my god i think that's a wonderful idea because her idea of, of traveling is also like discovering the reality of the places that she discovers and it is not only based on like oh i take this selfie and this is the beauty you know like i get to do all these fancy things but she also wants people to understand the social portion of it like mm-hmm. you know how people live here and what they do. So, anyways, when I brought up the idea, she com- she was like completely thrilled. And so we were able to plan this activity on a Saturday. Originally, I had planned for like an hour and so, mm-hmm. but it was the first time, so I really didn't know how it was gonna go. But it was. I actually went back to the island just to do this this activity because she had to change dates. Um, and once I get an idea in my mind, I had to do it. <laughs> so when she told me we couldn't do it in June, I was like, "I'm gonna make it happen." Like I don't know if I have to like come back again within two weeks, which is what actually I had to do, but it was completely worth it because not only was like the disposition, she says, así la disposición?"
0: the travelers' availability, yeah, yeah, the
1: the willingness, the willingness, yeah, of being there and interact with the participants, but also. I want our participants to feel important. I mm. want them to to feel like they matter, yeah. And they are just no one more in the bunch mm. because that's what that's why I try to tell them all the time that to me they are all equally important and they all have potentials mm. in different ways, but that makes them equal as well. So we created an activity where the participants uh, will interview the travelers by playing bingo. So the bingo, each letter and number had like a different question. Mm-hmm. And then the like the opposite, like by the interaction between travelers with the participants was like a version of a speed dating mm-hmm. where two travelers would interview one of the participants because it was basically a ratio of two to one. And they will get a minute to ask questions and then we will, will rotate. Again, it was the first time. So uh, for the next time, if we have this opportunity, I plan it a little bit different. But it was amazing. Like the reaction that I got, not only by my participants, but for from the travelers, it was overwhelming. I never thought it was just gonna impact so many lives in so many different uh, aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the travelers even cried a little bit at <laughs> the end of the activity, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Did they say why they cried? I think it was uh, they were really touched by mm. the ability of interact with girls because this age mm. and and just get to know a little bit about their lives because mm. when you go on a, on a vacation you think oh you're gonna just be in the ocean and drinking yeah. cocktails and like, you very know, impersonal get... right exactly mm-hmm. and this was very much you know very much getting to know the community even yeah. if it was just like for two hours because at the end it extended a little bit more. And we had to cut it short because they had something else planned. But it was very personal for the moment that we were there. And, and you know, they they were able to see these smiles and, like, talk to these girls that they may have seen up and down the street, but they would have never said mm-hmm. maybe more than a hello or that hola. So it was like some of them got very, very touched, so much so that one of the travelers is volunteering with us as a mm. graphic designer.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, obviously, we's, we got a lot of followers after that activity mm. in Instagram, which I, I would think we're going to have a whole conversation about social media. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was very important to us. And then when we had the, the, like, the feedback session with the participants, I mean, you could just see, I, I was so happy. Like, I was overwhelmed by joy just because... They were so excited to tell the stories, so excited to see, tell me, oh, Seño, I talked to this and that, and they told me this. Mm-hmm. And then they they said they made so many friends because when they meet somebody, they automatically say it's a new friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eventually, we will have to talk about that. But anyways, they were so... I, I think they honestly felt important for mm-hmm. that brief period of time. Mm-hmm. They felt that they matter, and they felt that... They took the time of their vacation to do this activity with them because they very easily could have said no, mm-hmm. you know, they would been like, oh, no, we're on vacation. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. But they were so open and so willing to, like, do these games and, like, just interact with them. It was like, so special. It was really, really special. And they told me, they're like, senor, it was too short. They should have been from like 6 a.m. to like 6 p.m. I'm like, okay, we're not going to do like a 12-hour experience. It's never
0: going to happen. I don't think
1: I have the energy to do
0: that. Um, How many girls were there in this, like from from Los Fuertes? I think we have 15. Oh, okay. And then did they talk about like meeting like this, like a specific person that, like they like I think you said like uh, there was a, like a vet right like a woman or like did they talk about oh this woman does this type of job or did that impact yeah. them in some way yeah well
1: I, I wish I could do a little bit more like follow-up because mm. one of my girls she all her dream is to become a vet mm-hmm. but to her that dream is pretty much impossible she is from uh, one of the most impoverished neighborhoods in the island you know, the situation in her house is really not easy. She, her ability at school, I don't think is the best. I don't. I mean, as far as grades goes, I don't know how much invest she actually puts in, into her school because her mom itself is not educated. So obviously, yeah. sometimes when they are not educated, they don't see the value of education. But we're trying to change that, even if it's just a little bit. But when she met this woman who was a vet, she was so excited to tell me that she had met a vet. And I I had her number, the veterinarian's number, and I had asked her to send me like a few messages once in a while so I can show them to the participant so she can have like the feel of like, you know, it's not impossible. If Mm. you work hard and you really put your effort into it, you can achieve it. But it hasn't worked. Uh, I'm sure eventually I will be able to get somebody else that um, has a little bit more of time maybe. And also it's hard because I don't have a phone number for the participant that wants to be aware. So communication can be very, very tricky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the idea is eventually, at some point, find maybe some mentors yeah. that are constantly telling them that you can, that it's not impossible, yeah. they need to focus on this and that. Because I think that's, that's the biggest problem with them. Besides all the lacks and all the errors within the educational system, I think because A lot of kids that have the highest ICFES scores, which is like very similar to the SATs, that's the exam, the exit exam for Mm -hmm. you to graduate and be able to apply for college. Most of the time, the highest scores come from kids from public schools. Mm. So even though the the system is broken in many, many ways, if you have the, the drive and you put the work, you can do it. So I think it goes back to, you know, just giving them those resources and giving them them the feedback of just being like, you are not stupid Mm -hmm. and you are full of potential and you are full of skills. We just need to find them Mm -hmm. and explore them and see how we can potentialize them. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, parents, a lot of them, or even grandparents or caretakers, they think they... Their mission is just to feed them, have, you know, p- ponerles un techo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and once in a while give them a good job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But often, so many times I hear that, oh, it is una mensa, o oh, eres una grosera, eres una maleducada, mm-hmm. And I'm always listening, hearing these things, I'm like, but you're raising that child, yes, so who is here... <laughs> Exactly. Who are we here mm-hmm. to blame? The kid who's receiving the education of the person that is giving mm-hmm. those standards, right? Because I I feel so annoyed and it, it infuriates me so much when they say, "Oh, es que es una es una grosera, es una maleducada.
0: Yeah, like very reduction, like, right? Like it seems like so reductionist to just be like, "Yeah, that's what she is, and she's yeah. just rude."
1: And I'm like, but why are you saying this? Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I have the the com- not the confidence, but like the confianza for yeah. con this person. They ask, "Why are you saying this?" Because she's only the reflection of what she sees at the household all the time. But that's a whole. And that's like, again tea. that's a whole. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole different conversation as well. Yeah. But yeah, basically, like I, I just want Last for to, to be a space for this for our participants to to be them
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to be them and discover who they are as little people growing. Mm-hmm and hmm. and and see what it is that they want to do in life like i'm not like my biggest goal would be for all of these girls to go to college
0: yeah but i know
1: college is not for everybody unfortunately sure you've been sold the idea that everybody has to mm. go to college right mm-hmm. and i i know very much so that not everybody is to go to college but i want them to get i want to give them tools so they can discover what they want to do in life yeah, And if at the end of the day, they honestly just want to stay in the island, get married, and have kids, that's fine as long as they are doing it because that's what they chose. And they are going to be educated moms and wives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about last uh, couple of episodes about the options, just giving those options, providing like the choices mm-hmm. so that people can then make, choose for, for themselves what they want instead of kind of not having any choice you know and i think too it's important to realize that like some parents they just might not have you know more than what they can give like the the food and the (laughs) the techo and you know and so it's important to have these like it's that's why educators are are so important because they're not as tired they're not as like exhausted from whatever as parents are or maybe they are Mm -hmm. but like They have tools. The educators have different tools and like extracurricular like activities. It's just other ways for students to like get away from the like house for a while to discover themselves. Kind of like what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing when you were asking about extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. I I just remember this came back in a flashback. They're actually starting what it comes un equipo de atletismo. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, like an athletics, like
1: track team maybe yeah kind of i mean unfortunately the field is not the best yes and most of the kids unfortunately don't have the best running shoes if any at all but within the athletics team or track team i, I think i have three or four participants and one of them seems to have a lot of potential mm. and they actually had gone to a town on the like on the coast for competition and they've done very well. So that's another thing that we're using to motivate them. So I told them that if they continue being part of Las Fuertes, which means that they still attend to the workshops, and, and then they go to their trainings when they are told to, because they train pretty much every day. So as long as they are like like doing the things that they are supposed to do, uh, they are supposed to go to Cartagena mm. this December for a competition, like a big competition. Um so I told my my participants Las Fuertes that if they are chosen to go to Cartagena we will find a way to give them very good running shoes. Mm-hmm. And, but they have they have to meet certain requirements mm-hmm. before I, because like I mentioned this before many many times I don't give them any, anything for free just because they have to work for it. Mm-hmm. So they have to meet certain criteria for me to to tell them okay you you got your running shoes. And a couple of them are super excited about the idea. And I hope it's still that way because I haven't been able to talk to them since I came back to Bogota. But I'm going back to the island next week. So I will have to go and check on that. But is it like the first time they went to this old town called San Bernardo del Viento? That is like maybe, you know, the boat ride, which is like 45 minutes, depending on how heavy it is. And then from Paso Nuevo to San Bernardo is like maybe 30, 40 minutes. But it's a whole completely, like, it's a different world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they when they came back, because I was there at the island, when they went for competition and came back, and they were so excited to tell me that they were either first runner-up or second or even third, and that they had done so well and that they had seen so many things. Mm-hmm. And that's those are the ideas. Yeah. You know, that's the idea of, like, they seen the The exposure, world, yeah. The exposure of, like, there is so many things you can do if you put your mind into it yeah. so
0: yeah yeah kind of like just knowing that there's more like that there's more than what they know and sometimes people don't know that sometimes people are not aware mm-hmm. that there's a whole world out there and so just exposure exposing that and even like having the woman from that travel group come in it's another way of exposure you being there i remember when i was in panama a lot of the times so i didn't feel like i was doing much but just me being someone different and new was some form mm-hmm. of exposure that showed them like oh there's some something out there so yeah that's amazing and how old are these girls that are that went to compete
1: the youngest one,
0: so I think they are between eleven and thirteen. Okay, yeah. Oh they're young but not super young. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well well oh my gosh. I used to do track. That's so exciting. <laughs> That's so cute. Okay, so I think like it's important you mentioned a little bit, but we you said that like this the girls don't really or or people, maybe not just the girls, but they don't know about the internet beyond like Facebook and WhatsApp. And that's interesting. I, I don't think they're, you know, I think it's more common than we think that, like, that you people used to use the internet for like research. I mean, they still do that now. So, yeah, that's an interesting point that you bring up about the internet just being kind of like Facebook and WhatsApp and how I don't know if you told me this or I've heard this somewhere else, but like phones are already in, have Facebook installed when they when you buy them and they. Oh, I. Um, mm-hmm. oh, that was somewhere yeah. else maybe and it was it was then you get into this whole like conversation of like the government wants it to just be on facebook
1: <laughs> yeah and actually I means i forgot to mention tiktok is also becoming like uh, a big trend mm-hmm. so to them internet just is limited to that and maybe we don't have enough time to discuss this but we actually had the opportunity to have this visitor from a big uh, colombian ngo is called geek girls mm. and oh, they've yeah. been running for like about five years now and their focus is teaching girls about STEM mm. uh, in many different ways so we were lucky enough that one of them her name is Lorena she came to the island maybe yeah, it was gonna be like a month ago I wasn't there but it, it worked so I'm very happy that we had a lot of participants and she came to teach them how to use the internet as a teaching tool you know mm-hmm. and they, I think they briefly discussed uh Duolingo mm-hmm. and podcasts as a learning tool. Mm-hmm. The workshop was a little bit brief because she was in a very limited time and we it was like an experimental mm-hmm. workshop because we first we didn't know if the participants were gonna show up, we didn't know because you weren't there, how, right? Because uh, I wasn't there yet, yeah. yeah. and, and and it's not that um, I'm not yeah. but. <laughs> But we are still in the transition of getting the girls used to of like okay things happen even if Carol is not oh, here. Really okay, I mean, yeah. So it's still we are still doing that transition. Yeah. But she came in and it was like a two-hour workshop. And John Cito, who is the person that is he's like basically my right hand, he said that the girls were super excited and that they didn't obviously they didn't want the activity to end. We're hoping that this can become like um a more regular visit. Mm-hmm where they can come and teach because they have a set of skills that I'm very much interested into, but I don't have them. Yeah. So we are very lucky that we now have this connection with them and, and start exploring how we can keep collaborate, collaborating from now on. But it was an awesome opportunity because I think it was the first time that they actually learned that internet goes way Mm. beyond Facebook, TikTok, and WhatsApp. And from what I understand, there is a computer lab Mm. at the school. I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't seen it. As well as there is a library. But both are treated as a museum. So everything is there, but it's not to be touched. Uh, From what I've heard. mm. I don't know the extent of it. I don't don't know what the setting is. I don't know what are the resources they have. But that's what I heard from a few people
0: in the island. So with us is very much different <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. that's interesting i get the not wanting to break anything i get that but also it's not to be used would. yeah exactly <laughs> okay so there's a lot of things happening mm-hmm. and you're gonna go back to the island next week there's these things these kind of things that are kind of coming together so it's really mm-hmm. exciting yeah, so I'm interested to see, to hear more about what you see when you go. How long will you be in the island? I'm thinking a month and a half. Yeah.
1: I bought just one-way ticket because a lot of things are happening, especially now that they are back in the school. Mm-hmm. I have to go and figure, again, figure things again pretty much from scratch as far as scheduling goes yeah. and how we're going to plan everything. And we can talk more about this, but a couple people have contacted me because they want to, they have some menstrual cups available for donation, Mm. but they don't want to simply just go and give them out. So we're going to have a whole process with adult women or like older adolescents. We're thinking about starting like maybe 16, 17, all the way up and see what kind of groups we can get to get these cups out. But the idea is to give them to the people that really, really want to use them. Because in the past, they have had these campaigns, but I don't know how they were done, but I know a lot of those cops are just in a draw somewhere. 100%. Thank
0: you to Catholic Church for that.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of things are happening in many, many different fields. I have uh, uh, some news too, but I will give you those news next time as well.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, education is a very interesting topic. I think it just is so wide it's so many things
1: and we're not experts right we we are just seeing from what we've seen just talking to an educational expert obviously we will open so many other points of views Mm -hmm. and avenues and why not but i i think it's important to start talking about this not only for us las fuertes but to let people out there know that you know the bubble that they live in is very much different in many different Mm -hmm. places And I'm sure maybe some of our listeners came from public schools Mm -hmm. and they were lucky enough that they went to college. (laughs) So it'd be nice to have, you know, when they listen to this podcast and if they want to send us comments. or Yeah. No, I just want to say like to all of our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us and see and hear what we have to say. We have a lot to to say. We might be wrong at times. We might correct at times
0: but this is,
1: uh, you know, we are, as Las Fuertes is evolving, this podcast is also evolving, and it's it's important for the both of us because I think we both have very similar thoughts and attitudes towards certain things, and because Mm. Peace Corps had brought us together, I think that's another thing that, you know, we can always go back, and it's important for us to explore all these topics, not only because, you know, I'm, I'm working with Las Fuertes, but it's just, it's a just it's a, a good way. It's a good place to like decompress and say what we think because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't find people that understand what we say. So I think we get each other very well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I think it's important to like have that sounding board, have that like conversation mm-hmm. between us, because yeah, a lot of people don't. They just don't, there's just topics you don't think about. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. you're in your bubble and you're worried about like other things, which is normal. I mean, but. I feel, yeah, whoever listens to this and finds it interesting and finds value in it, I think that's already a big win. So, yeah. Yeah.